0: Well, let me say one more time, Merry Christmas. It's a special day. Um, When I was a boy, Christmas was always my favorite day. There was no school. You got presents and turkey. And it was just a fun day to be with family and friends. But as I've gotten older, my favorite holiday of the year is Easter. Um, I don't want to take anything away from Christmas. Christmas is still good, but Easter is my favorite. We want to finish today our series that we started at the beginning of the month, Christmas in the Old Testament. And this message is sort of uh, what I would like to call part two of, of last week's message. Um, We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 11. Last week we were in Isaiah 7 briefly, but then we spent most of our time in Isaiah 9. But today we want to look at Isaiah chapter 11, and we're going to zero in on verses 1 through 10. And the title of the message today is, Jesus is the Righteous Branch. That's a very weird title. Jesus is the righteous branch. What is that all about? Well, come along for the ride and you'll find out exactly what that means. So before we look at God's word, let's bow momentarily for a word of prayer. Holy God, we thank you that Jesus came to be the righteous branch, that the promise that you made To David, you never forgot, you never gave up on it, you never quit. And so Jesus came to be the righteous branch in fulfillment of the promise that you had made. So help us today as we look at your word to hear from you, that your Holy Spirit would prompt us to be open to what you are saying to each one of us today, And that we would recognize that there is hope in Jesus and even as the song we just sang that we would turn our eyes to you and focus on you because you are the only hope that we have cleanse my lips now to speak your truth I pray in Jesus name amen my wife likes to listen to Christmas music in the car I listen to sports radio but when she's in the car, we listen to Christmas music. And so we were driving along the other day, and one of those Christmas songs that's not about Jesus came on, uh, the radio. and I've written some of the lyrics down. You, you you hear this this song sometimes at Christmas time, but you also hear it um, when the kids are going back to school. Staples likes to play this one. it's uh, it's called, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I'll just read one verse to you. It says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And for a lot of you, and I hope for all of you, frankly, that Christmas is a wonderful time family is around my favorite food is around turkey usually there are presents there are all sorts of good things about christmas but when you look at the statistics christmas is also a time when people get depressed when people feel sad when people feel lonely Because they look around and they hear songs like this and then they look at their own life and they say, nobody cares about me. Nobody knows that I exist. Nobody has any thought about making my life happy. This is not the most wonderful time of the year for me. And the passage that we want to look at today from Isaiah chapter 11, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to his people Israel at a time when they felt exactly like that. Nobody cares about me. I am not important to God. He has forgotten about me. Now, if you remember from last week, the context of what we looked at in Isaiah chapter 7 through Isaiah chapter 9. King Ahaz was feeling threatened by the people around him. The king in Israel and the king in Damascus were threatening him, saying, we're going to kill you unless you band together with us and fight against the Assyrians. And so Isaiah comes to him and tells him, you need to trust God. Don't worry about these two other kings. Don't worry about Assyria. Trust me. And Ahaz says, no, 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 it's okay. I'm just going to put my trust in the king of Assyria. He's my friend. He's big and strong. He'll take care of me. And so God gives a sign to Ahaz. and We looked at this last week. The sign of Emmanuel, that God really is with his people. And then as you moved on into chapter 9, chapter 9 began to describe who this Emmanuel would be. For unto us a child is born in the city of David, and this one would be a mighty counselor, um, everlasting father, prince of peace, and so on. And that's where we ended last week. But before we get to chapter 11, which we're going to look at today, we have Isaiah chapter 10. And in Isaiah chapter 10, God speaks through Isaiah to tell his people that they are, frankly, they are in for a world of hurt. That because of Ahaz's disobedience, his refusal to trust God, the people's refusal to trust God, that they are going to suffer A great deal and in fact the analogy that he uses he talks about Assyria as being this series of giant trees and that Israel or Judah is this tiny little tree and what he says what God says through Isaiah is God has an axe in his hand and he is going to chop down the tree of Israel, and all that is going to be left is a stump. And he uses very pictorial language to say Judah is going to be cut off. Judah is going to go into exile, and there is going to be pain, and there is going to be anguish, and there is going to be separation from loved ones because of your sin. Talk about no hope. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. And Judah is in a place where they feel like they have no hope. And in the midst of that hopelessness, we come to Isaiah chapter 11. So the outline for the sermon today is We're going to look at Isaiah 11, and this is where the righteous branch is predicted. Then we're going to look at the Gospels, where the righteous branch is revealed. And finally, we're going to look through the rest of the New Testament to see where the righteous branch is enthroned. So as I said, Isaiah chapter 11 is this section of Isaiah where Israel or Judah has no hope They are cut off like a tree stump. And yet, when we get to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, God begins to talk about a branch. A righteous branch is going to sprout. Now, I always thought that when you cut down a tree and there's a stump, that that's it. That tree is dead. That tree is done. There's nothing left. But it turns out that even if there is a stump and all that's left is a stump, if it's properly nurtured and if it's properly cared for, that tree can grow again. So I found this picture on the internet, had nothing to do with Isaiah, it's just a random picture of a tree that was cut down and just grew again. And so we turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And this is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Yes, God is going to cut off Judah. Yes, they are going to go into exile. But God is faithful to his promise. He had promised 300 years earlier that one of David's descendants would sit on the throne forever. So even though Judah is cut off, they are not forever forgotten. They are not forever thrown away that out of this punishment, out of this sinful disobedience, God would never forget his promise. So there is a shoot, there is a sprig, there is this branch that is going to come, and it will bear fruit. Isaiah then begins to describe what this righteous branch will be like. And what he will do. Here's what he says in verse 2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Ahaz, the king of Judah, didn't even trust God enough to give him victory over the enemies in front of him. But when the righteous branch comes, he will be so dependent on the spirit of the Lord for what he thinks, for how he gives advice, and for what he does. And it will all be based on an intimate and close relationship with God. So not only will the branch come, the branch will be righteous. He goes on in the second part of verse 3 and down to verse 5 to describe his rule. This branch, when he comes, he will not only rule, he will rule justly. He says in verse 3, the second part of verse 3, he shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. The decisions of this righteous branch will not be based on how things look on the outside. But he will be wise enough and close enough with God that he will be able to look into people's hearts and know the truth and judge righteously and judge justly, not based on wealth, not based on power, not based on influence, but based on righteousness. Isaiah goes on and says, He also will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. In other words, when this righteous branch comes, he will do the right thing. And he will do the right thing in every circumstance, he will do what is right. As Isaiah goes on, this is one of the exciting things about the prophets, that when they look into the future, they see the future, but they don't always see it in some sort of linear way. They see something here, and they see something here, but this is what they see, so they put it all together. So beginning in verse 6 and following, he begins to talk about what I think is the new heavens and the new earth, when there will be complete and utter peace. Listen to what he says in verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Now you know what would happen today if A wolf was anywhere close to a lamb. That would be dinner time right there. The same with the leopard and a goat. He continues on and he says, And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Do you see the language of peace here? There's no hostility. There is harmony. There is peace. There is no more fear of violence or aggression. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. No more fear. No more violence. No more aggression. The righteous branch is going to bring peace. Finally, in verses 9 and 10, Isaiah finishes his prophecy about this righteous branch, and he says this. Verse 9, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Jeremiah has slightly different language when he says, talking about the new covenant, no one will have to say to anyone, know the Lord, because everyone will know from the greatest to the least. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This righteous branch, his kingdom, will be pervasive. It will cover the entire earth. And so the prophecy of this root, this shoot, this branch of Jesse, he finishes verse 10 by saying this. In that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This righteous branch is not just for Israel. That's why we read again last night if you were here, you may have heard, we talked about Simeon. And Simeon was all excited because when he saw Jesus, he is the light to the Gentiles and consolation for the, and the glory for Israel. Isaiah says the same thing here. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, not just those in Israel, but for all peoples, All the nations shall inquire of him, and his resting place will be glorious. When we look at those descriptions, it seems pretty clear who Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about Jesus. Now, as I said, to call Jesus the righteous branch sounds... Strange, sounds bizarre. And yet when you work your way through the other prophets, this this phrase, this term keeps coming up and up and up and up again. So for example, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, Jeremiah, who is now maybe 100, 150 years later from when um, Isaiah gave his prophecy, he says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Isaiah is prophesying before Israel has gone into captivity. Jeremiah is prophesying Just as the people are going into captivity. Ten chapters later in Jeremiah, he says this Jeremiah 33, 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. The righteous branch is coming. Later in the book of Zechariah, Zechariah also talks about this righteous branch. But in the book of Zechariah, there is, and and the book of Zechariah is much later. It's another 100 years after Jeremiah. And when Zechariah begins to talk about this righteous branch, one of the things that he adds to this picture is there's not only the righteous branch as the king, But this righteous branch will also fulfill the role of the priest. That this king is also a priest. And this priest will bring holiness to the people. Here's what he says in Zechariah 3, verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends Who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. He's not talking to to kings, there are no kings in Israel at this point, but he's talking to the priests, the high priest, Joshua. Later in chapter 6, verse 12, he says this And say to him, Thus says the Lord Behold the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. This branch is going to be the king who will rule justly, but he is also the priest who is going to build the temple and bring salvation to God's people. So by the time we get to the Gospels, now this righteous branch that has been talked about by Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah, when we get to the Gospels, Jesus comes. And Jesus, the righteous branch, is born. And when we look at the gospel narratives and how Jesus is described, the language that's used by the angels and by the wise men is the language of Isaiah chapter 9 and Isaiah chapter 11. So when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary in Luke chapter 1, he says to her, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David doesn't use the word branch, but he talks about this throne, the same as Isaiah 11. When the angel comes to Joseph, he talks to Joseph about the virgin birth, that Mary has not been unfaithful to you. And Jesus is Emmanuel, hearkening back to Isaiah 7 and 9 and 11. When the angels appear to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, they talk about peace, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And finally, the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, when they come and they see the star and they follow it from the east, they come to Israel and they ask King Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews. And so all the language of kingly role and righteous rule and bringing peace is interspersed in all of these narratives. And then we turn to Matthew chapter 2, in the middle of the chapter, where Joseph is warned that King Herod is going to try and kill Jesus and they flee to Egypt and then later come back. And in verse 22, we read this. But when he, that is Joseph, heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. In other words, he didn't want to go back to Bethlehem. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth. And then notice the last phrase. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Huh? What? I don't get where, what are we doing here? Well, a couple of things. Matthew typically will quote directly. He'll say, somewhere like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Micah, it says this, and then he will quote directly. But here he says, that which was spoken by the prophets, plural. He's not referring to one specific passage, but he's pointing out that Jesus is the Nazarene. Now, when we look back to Isaiah chapter 9 and the first two verses, one of the things that Isaiah tells us there is that Emmanuel's light will shine first in the region of Galilee. That the Messiah is going to come out of Galilee. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. But even more clearly, and this doesn't come across very well in English, but do you want to know what the Hebrew word for branch is? The Hebrew word for branch is netzer. And do you know what someone who is who lives in Nazareth is called? They are called a netzer. Jesus lived in Nazareth because he is the branch. He is the one that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah, the prophets, had promised would come. And Jesus, the Nazarene, is the branch. Now when we look to the rest of the New Testament, this phrase is used three more times. The first one is in Romans chapter 15. Paul has spent a lot of time talking about Jews and Gentiles and their relationship to God and how they come to God. And he says in verse 8, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He is a light to the Gentiles. And then he quotes in verses 9 through 11. He quotes from Deuteronomy. He quotes from Second Samuel. He quotes from the Psalms. All of these quotations emphasize God loves Gentiles. And then at verse 12 he says this. And again Isaiah says the root of of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Jesus brings hope. Hope not only to the people in Israel, but hope to the world. So that Paul is able to end this discussion in verse 13 by saying this May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might abound in hope. Because Jesus, the righteous branch, has come, and because he is on the throne, there is hope. There is hope for you. Finally, at the very end of the New Testament, John has a vision where he's taken up into heaven and he sees the throne room of God and he sees the 24 elders bowing down and worshiping God. And then in chapter 5, there is a scroll to be read. And no one is worthy to read the scroll. And because of this, John begins to cry. Because no one is worthy to read the scroll. And then we get to verse 5 of Revelation 5. And this is what it says. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The branch has come and he is the only one who is worthy to deal with sin and to rule in righteousness we go to the last chapter of the Bible. The second last thing that Jesus says to John is this. The last thing he says to him is, I am coming soon. But the very second to last thing that he says is this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is the righteous branch. He is ruling justly. He is bringing peace. And we have hope in him. So how should you respond to Jesus the righteous branch. As I said at the beginning, Christmas is a time that's supposed to be happy and merry and the most wonderful time of the year. But you may be here today and you may be saying, my life is a mess. My life is broken. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to go. All your hopes may be dashed. You may think that nobody cares about you. But our passage today is here to tell you that there is hope in Jesus. He lived a perfect life of obedience, He came in a manger so that he could live to bring salvation. He died on the cross to pay for your sins, the mistakes that you and I have made in our lives. And today, because of his response and obedience to God's call to die on the cross for our sins, he lives forever as our righteous branch on the throne of heaven. So I ask you today, will you choose to follow this righteous branch and make him your king? He is the only one who can bring hope. All our hope is in him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that Jesus came to be the righteous branch, that he was willing to take on human form and to live that life of obedience and die the death of obedience, to take the penalty for our sin. I pray that we would put our hope in him. He is our light. He is our hope. Help us to trust him. Put our lives in his hands because he is the only one who can take care of us and to make sense of our lives. Thank you that he came. Thank you that he is a loving Savior. Help us to turn our eyes upon him and to look at him as the righteous branch who brings hope. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.